Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If I want to get the gossip of what's happening around the world and in Australia... TV Black Box is my go-to website. It, you're the TMZ of Australia. Oh, wow. <laughs> Angela, I love what you, you so much. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Nine's cheeky promo poking fun at Channel 7. Low ratings have many questioning whether an old TV favourite will survive the current epidemic. And should old TV shows be cancelled that don't fit today's standards? Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to TV Black Box, the podcast that pays no attention to the reviews. What's wrong with you people? Go and give us a five-star review on iTunes. Stop bitching. Uh, I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight on Twitter. And we have... I don't even know how to describe this young lady. Her name is Sarah Monaghan. She's called Trim Tank on Twitter. But she has come straight out of bed looking a million dollars. She's wearing the silk. And, Sarah, you are a vision of loveliness as it hits 6 a.m. there. Oh, thank you. I, I try to be, like, a little bit of light in the middle of zombie land here. We're in the middle of a full lockdown pandemic and I'm not wearing my mask for a change. <laughs> oh, we'll never forget the day I got in trouble for... What did I say that got me in so much trouble with you? Let's move on. <laughs> Casey still hasn't forgiven me. We also have the viewers advocate Steve Mulk. He's here. You can just search for him at Steve Mulk on Twitter. Hello, Mulky. Hello, Robert. I too am wearing a satin nightgown, and let me tell you, it's very fetching on me too. It really is. You it are looks a lovely. vision of beauty. I love what it does for my cleavage. <laughs> and he's back from his holiday where he still found time to do the other podcast, TV Binge Box, but not TV Black Box. I'm not bitter. It's Viscount Brookie. Hello, Stephen Brook. Hi, Rob. I am great, but unfortunately my tan faded on the drive down from Byron. <laughs> the price well, of doing business. Yes, indeed. I hope you had a fabulous time, Brookie. We did miss you. I did. I didn't watch a lot of TV, but hey, I saw Dolphins. Nice. Oh, lovely, lovely. Um, ben is away this week. He shall return next week. So, guys, a lot to talk about. Let's get into the news. And the ABC has confirmed it will rebrand the ABC Comedy Channel and remove state-based television feeds from the Foxtel satellite platform as part of a series of service cuts announced today. Around 250 staff will depart the government broadcaster as it looks to achieve $84 million in savings over the next three years. Brookie, a lot has been made of these cuts. Do you think the leadership team has made the right decisions? Well, look, any cuts were going to be criticised, weren't they? I 
Wanted to bring in Alan Sunderland, who's the former editorial director of the ABC, very important executive while he was there, because he wrote a really good thing in Mianjin. His analogy was that the ABC was riding two horses at once. So it was trying to maintain its traditional output while expanding into new areas. And look, that's just increasingly unsustainable. I think the most important thing for the ABC is to, well, firstly, news, but also then telling Australian stories. And both those areas got big cuts, 74 jobs from ABC News and the entertainment and specialists, the old TV division, where they do children's arts, uh, comedy, documentary, drama, they got 53 job cuts. There's $5 million less for independent productions, apparently no news shows after 9.30pm, and ABC Life is going, well, half the staff are going, it's being rebranded, that was the not very good lifestyle content aspect. Uh, I don't think in some ways the ABC went far enough, there's always... There's two strategies. You can salami slice, which is a bit off everything, or you can pick winners, which is we are going to concentrate on these areas and do them really well, and we are going to reluctantly drop out of others. I probably would have axed a TV channel. In the 80s, the ABC only had one TV channel. Now it's got four, plus a heap of national capital city radio stations, plus 44 local radio stations, plus the news channel, plus ABC Online. Is it trying to do too much, Brookie? I think, yes, and they put out a five-year plan that sort of got lost in the uh, headlines over the job cuts, but one of the key aspects of this five-year plan was that it said it should be about quality, not quantity, and I think we all know that the future of television is streaming, right? So Mm -hmm. the iView is going to become more and more important to the future of the ABC. And if you have the eye view and you build that up and you make that increasingly sophisticated, do you need, for example, a kids' channel, a linear digital kids' channel anymore? Or uh, adults, as I went and saw some friends, Duncan and Kat, last night, and we watched, well, with their children, an episode of Bluey and Hey Dougie, but that was all on-demand viewing Mm. uh, rather than on a linear TV channel. Although I would argue a lot of families and parents do rely on ABC Kids. Um, It's a safe place to let your kids go during the day and uh, you often find that there are some shows on ABC Kids that perform much better than uh, shows on main channels. So, Absolutely true, Bluey being one of them. mm. This is the dilemma, isn't it, because... We're caught in a digital transition. It's basically the digital future versus the needs of all our parents. Yeah. So, you know, our parents get the 7 p.m. news. That's what they want to watch. They get the 7.45 a.m. radio news. That's what they want to watch. They're very upset if you try and change those pillar tentpole programs but for increasingly large numbers of everyone else, life's not like that. You just watch stuff on demand. Mulk, um, I know you're a big defender of the ABC and say it can't have too much money. There are obviously limits to the money that it can have. Um, I have to say this narrative that the ABC's funding is going up is laughable from the government. Mm. But um, I am a believer, and we spoke about this last week, that 
sometimes it is good to have the brakes put on so you can reassess what you're doing and and the kind of programming that you're making and how many staff it's taking to do that. ABC has traditionally been much fatter than its commercial rivals. What do you make of this um, commentary that, well, everyone else is suffering, so the ABC should too? This, this is be this isn't none of these cuts are coronavirus based. So that's right. The the, the connection that you know, uh, it, it, right now everyone else is struggling, so therefore blah blah blah. No, nah, that that doesn't cut it at all. Yeah, and, and absolutely, you're right. It's 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 been ever since then. Prime Minister wanting to be elected that became elected. Tony Abbott promised very famously in that SBS News cross, no cuts to the ABC. Non-core promise, Malk, non-core promise. We've seen nothing but cuts happen <laughs> to the ABC and SBS yeah. ever since. It's like a um, vendetta. You would think it is, wouldn't you? Um, I, I think it was part of that Sunderland article, Brookie, that, that I saw, um, and, and I think Media Watch highlighted it the other week, um, showing that the the amount of stuff that the ABC are doing now versus I think it was 2013 where they had far less channels, far less news networks, blah, oh, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, was, it was something from the 80s versus 2018. It was the oh, yeah, yeah. But, review. It was and, the and the budget efficiency. was just so out yeah. of kilter. Um, I appreciate that particularly people outside the ABC, and I've never worked for the ABC, uh, outside the ABC look at it and say, oh, but, you know, there's a producer for producers' sakes and, you know, you get lifetime jobs when you fall into that. Um, Uh, But traditionally I think there has been some of that. And as someone who's worked at a commercial television stations, the view of the ABC was always that it's overblown. I don't think we're there anymore. You when know, jealousy's like... a curse, for sure, and definitely we're not overblown by any extreme now. Um, the, you know, the talk of the fact that the, the, this is no longer trimming fat, this is cutting bone out of the ABC. Uh, yeah. Should they shrink the number of things? Look, the ABC is, based on its charter and its relationship with the government, permanently under review. There is always a rolling review in place on the ABC, whether it's editorially or, or content-wise or those sorts of things. Plus, there's the fact that they have to front up to the government. It's twice yearly, isn't it? Uh, and pitch. Senate estimates. Yeah, it's Senate estimates and basically say, we're defending how we're spending the money you're giving us. Um, it's it's a On one hand, it's rich. I appreciate that, that you know, corporate world media... Uh, showing some advances in how they do things on the smell of an oily rag and produce incredible things sometimes. They also, however, drop some pretty massive money. All right, as previously revealed by TV Black Box, Adelaide viewers are set for big changes with Seven's Afternoon News set to be presented out of Melbourne. As TV Black Box revealed, Jessica Adamson and weather presenter Tim Noonan will leave the network as part of the overhaul. Now Channel 9 has taken advantage of the situation by launching this promo. News made in Melbourne. 10 Melbourne postcodes. Or 9 News made in Adelaide. For Adelaide. Weekdays at 5. First in Adelaide's 9 News at 5. Nightly at 6. Good evening. One of South Australia's 9 News. See the full story. Live and local. Sarah, do you like an attack promo or do they turn you off? You know, it's all fun and games until the same shit happens to you and then they turn around and do it back to you and then you get all upset about it. No, nah, so, I've got to tell you, as the, I think I can be called the king of the attack promo. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, am... it's fine. It's like they're pointing out the obvious. Like, yeah, it's true. Like, you know, and people may want to know that it's, 
it's actually local news, but I think it'll time will come when maybe they have to get cut and the other another network does it back and maybe, they'll feel the but burn. You've got to you've got to make hay while the sun shines, right? You know, like feel I uh, I launched the first on nine campaign and and that was based out of a truth. That was based out of the fact at six p.m. I was used to sit in the newsroom and watch the two newses with everyone. There was a monitor with seven, a monitor with nine. We listened to nine, but I would I would see stories that had been broken by nine appear a couple of days later on seven, and this was when seven was number one in Sydney, and I just started keeping track. And I thought there's a promo in this, and the key to a good promo is being able to make a claim and back it up. So if you want to say first on nine, you've got to be able to prove it. And that's when I made the promo saying first on nine news and showed a clip from nine, two days later on seven and showed the same clip of seven presenting the same story. Now, Yeah, but Sarah is right, isn't she, in that nine is vulnerable to cuts, so uh, they may well be hoist by their own petard. Yeah, but if that's the case, they've made a strategic decision to try and sell it while they can, and I seriously applaud this. I think it's the right move. And if they do have to go down that path, well, seven are already out of the market. So, you know, maybe 10 will launch a promo, but it's for the 6 p.m. news wars, it's a little inconsequential. Um, I I don't see a problem with this at all. I, 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 as I say, I'd be hypocritical if I did see a problem with it. But I love this. I love the idea that you're telling the viewers, you're giving them a real reason. You know, news promos can be so bland. Trust the experience. We're here for you. Blah, blah, blah. News, you know. <laughs> how, how many of them uh, you did know, you do, there, Rob? There's so many bland, generic news promos, whereas I've, this... I've got to say, I agree, Rob. You cannot... I have not seen one journalist, TV presenter from whatever network talking earnestly about how flippin' important the flippin' news is without appearing to be wankers. It's impossible. (laughs) Um, But this kind of promo, it cuts through because it actually gives you a reason to watch. It gives you a point of difference. It says they're doing this out of Melbourne. You want local news? You come to us, mofos, you know, and I like it. Mofos. Yeah, I know. I don't know why I said that, to be honest. It just came out. Wow. I say power to them, but I will laugh when they are kicked when they are down. Okay, reports suggest streaming service Stan is set to lose the bulk of its Showtime television programs at the end of the year. According to News Corp, Showtime's owner, US media giant Viacom CBS, plans to put its new programs and its extensive back catalogue on its own streaming service. Mock Stannis survive losing Disney programming. Will this scenario hurt it? Look, it, it could do, but just to clarify, they're not losing all their Showtime content, only the old library content that they have as a part of the Showtime deal. So um, new programs that they have signed deals for, things like Billions, Better Call Saul, remain on Stan. Mm. Certainly for the their run, until they finish their seasons, uh, which... Both of them have at least one or two seasons left in them, at least. So there is a, a bunch of stuff that will hang around. But it's your older stuff um, that, look, the names even escape me right now, but it's stuff that I haven't seen in years. Yeah. Uh, will it hurt them? Yes, it will. Re- if, if this scenario plays out, it will reduce their library. Doesn't it really say Tenor getting mm. serious about Tenor Laxus? I think it says CBS getting as serious about the Australian market. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so sure it's 10 getting serious about it. I, I don't know, honestly. Uh, 
Look, Mike Sneesby and his team at Stan are smart operators, and I'm absolutely confident that they will be doing everything they can uh, to keep that deal going. It's good business for them, and it makes sense that since Stan launched, the home of Showtime content in Australia, for the bulk of it, has been on Stan. So why would they not want to maintain it? And certainly some of those things they would want to keep going. How do they fill the void if it vanishes? Mate, that's beyond me. yeah, but That's they did that with Disney. They made use of I mean, they played a really smart game when they got the short-term Disney contract and they yep. made a big song and dance about it, which helped people subscribe to Stan and look at the other content there. So when the Disney content went, I'd love to know if they really su- suffered a significant drop. But I, I actually find myself using Stan a lot. You know, I'm watching Doctor mm-hmm. Who, The Golden Girls, um, other series on it, you know. Um, Both of which will stay. They're not Showtime product. Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm just, well, there you go. It doesn't affect me at all then. You know, like I've seen, uh, I think Normal People was on Stan. So, you know, mm-hmm. like. I, I can, I think you're right, Rob. I think they've been very effective. I can actually remember remember going to a party like a dinner party but it was also a tv watching party hello to duncan and cat yet again <laughs> uh, and the reason we did that was because we wanted to see the new twin peaks yeah and that was on stan and that was like event tv and i reckon they would have got a lot of people signing up Shame about the show, ultimately, but uh, <laughs> they've been clever in using that kind of property to generate excitement. And I don't know, maybe long term for them, if Nine is smart, they would try and do some kind of joint venture mm. with Showtime, saying, look, hey, guys, it's a very crowded market. We're established. We've got the subscribers. You'll never get as many as we do. That's and and that's a real catch for, for Viacom, CBS and 10 in Australia. 10 All Access has not taken off, not by a long shot. Um, the, the, effective, the, the effective squeezing of 10 Play so that the bulk of its content went into 10 All Access didn't help. In fact, probably yeah. hindered the uptake because people go, well, what? Oh, I used to be able to watch that on 10 Play. Why have you moved it there? Yeah. There needs to be a really serious digital rethink at 10, and that may be what's coming. We don't know. We're not privy to some of that. Certainly the suggestions around Showtime wanting to not re-sign with Stan might suggest that that thing's going to happen, but everything is everything is tight and quiet uh, in Piermont. They're not telling us anything. Gosh, I'd love to see you two uh, running Viacom CBS <laughs> in Australia. But... How, look, Bookie, I have to say, mate, we have missed your gravitas. It's so great um, to have it back. I, what, what? I just... I just want billions to come back because we've legit watched up to the episode where they started mentioning coronavirus and there's still like eight more episodes in the season to be made and I'm done. We're over. I've watched five seasons in the last two weeks and (laughs) I need it to come back. They haven't made them yet. I know. Get the corona over and done with and start filming again. Well, girlfriend, that is on you guys and everybody over that side of the ditch. (laughs) America is not... A happy I am, camper with I am in Florida in the middle of the epicenter and we left Texas just in time because now it's oh, a yeah. shit show. It just mm. keeps following me. Mm. It's not getting much better. Yes. Well, look, Channel 10's morning TV show, Studio 10, is under increasing pressure as it continues to struggle in the ratings. The Daily Telegraph reports just 66,000 Metro viewers tuned in at its peak last week compared to Channel 7's The Morning Show with 233,000 and Channel 9's Today Extra with 159,000 in the 9.30 to 11am slot. The article goes on to suggest there is chatter within the industry asking how the show can survive on those ratings. 
Guys, I'm actually going to sit this one out. I feel like I've said all I have to say about Studio 10 and I only cop oh, criticism come on, Rob. when I do say something. What I will say this is this. What I will say is this. The last thing this industry needs right now is another show to get axed. But, Sarah, the news isn't great with the ratings. It's terrible, which is a shame because I actually really like Studio 10. I mean, mm. you know, I've been on there a couple of times and I, I think that they have a really good atmosphere. I think everyone gets along well. I love that there's actually a show where people get to debate and chat. Um, and as much as I love Jono, I think that the whole, the, 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 the selling of shit. That's <laughs> the infomercial bubble. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that that, that's what, when I always walk out of the room, um, and I only ever watch because I personally like Jono. Yeah, um, but without but I, without those, yeah, it I know you don't have a you work. don't have a a budget. But at the same time, if your budget is killing the rest of your show, is it worth it? Like you watch the talk or the circle or any of those things, they don't have a guy come in and try and sell funeral care. So um, I get that it's necessary, but I think at the same time, it's also the death bell. So if they can work out how to make the show without the infomercial and just put Jono on the panel, you know, he's interesting. Give him an actual job um, and then let everyone go at it and let them talk about, well, I guess you can't even talk about good topics anymore because Twitterverse gets upset anytime anybody says anything that might hurt their feelings. No, we're doing it on wow. the Ben Robin Robbo show every Monday to Thursday on Ticker TV and on Facebook.com slash BRR show. We're talking hot button topics and we don't care if we upset people. Yeah, I think. I think it would be better if we got to a point where we stopped caring about upsetting people because it's always it's one oh, person yeah. gets upset and now we have to shut an entire show down because one person had their feelings hurt and it's like just hug a teddy bear or something. Well, you're straying well, into our big issue. On. We'll come to that. But, Let's, Bookie, you we, wanted yeah. to say something. I think it, it's, it's ratings but it's also revenue, isn't it? Mm. Every media outlet. Yeah commercial media outlet in Australia, Seven have axed their afternoon mm. program because of this. Well, uh, no, no, not because of that. The Daily Edition, my sources are saying, was making money. It's a much bigger issue at Seven as it tries to reduce its overall budget and reduce headcount. And so my in intel on the Daily Edition is that it was still making good money. So... Okay, what I meant by that was that Seven has lost a lot of advertising revenue. Yep overall and probably thought that it wanted to make that budget saving where it wouldn't have to previously. The issue for these big media companies now is how large are the losses they want to wear. I assume that Studio 10 ratings have been suppressed for quite a while now. <laughs> it's just going to come down to whether 10 wants to have a show on air that is not making money in the hope that there is an uptick eventually in advertising yeah. or because they think that it's vitally important to their brand image. And I think that for a daytime program, Studio 10 is a lot more visible more often, say, than it's more, uh, shall we say, predictable rivals on mm. 7 and 10. There's a lot yeah. more talked about it. The personalities seem to be in the news more often uh, that's one of its great advantages. Yeah, I agree completely with that for someone who said he wasn't going to say anything. Mark, I'll give you the last word. From, from a, a, you know, sort of cash budget perspective, Studio 10 are coming off the back foot because there's three more heads that they have to pay on four more heads. 
that they have to pay on screen compared to their rivals on the commercial networks at the same time. So the challenge around shrinking advertising budgets full stop across the industry, coupled with some pretty, let's be frank, shoddy ratings, at a time when you at a time in the day when you don't expect massive ratings, but when you are what like my best guess is a quarter of the the show that is leading the time slot. Yeah. There's there's some there, this is why the executive vice president and person in charge of everything, Beverly McGarvey, gets paid the big bucks. Big mm. decisions need to be made. And you'd have to say, if they are not reconsidering how Studio 10 fits in their schedule, they bloody should be. The one thing I'll leave this topic on is that I have four monitors when I'm prepping the Ben Robin Robbo show. I'm in my office watching, you know, just everything that's going on. I do find myself turning up Studio 10 more than any other show in that sure. time slot. You know, like there's usually something happening that I go, oh, what's that? You know, and it catches my eye and catches my attention. So it's a shame it's not writing more. Maybe they All could right. just make it shorter. I mean, it's a very, very long, it's several hours. Maybe no one's it- No one's expected to watch the whole show. They dip in and out and that's okay. That's okay. But what was interesting about this article was that it was based on the 9.30 to 11 ratings. So it had the commonality of all morning shows and and wasn't great. But hopefully things change. All right, SBS staff have pleaded with the board to appoint someone other than a white Anglo man as news director to reflect the station's multicultural charter, according to The Guardian. The request from staff comes after claims of racism were levelled at the multicultural broadcaster from former Indigenous staff. Mock, I have to say, I find it shocking that SBS would be a home for racism doesn't that go... I mean, of course it does. It goes against everything it represents. It, it sure does. And, and I'm... The, the claims haven't been levelled at anyone per se. They've just been levelled at... This was my experience from uh, reading the story, a young Indigenous broadcaster who was working there um, and, and another, uh, I think, someone from a multicultural background who was working there and said they saw it. You know, they saw that stuff and, happen and what and was brings set. up to speed? What were the claims... Um, essentially that for the Indigenous, um, and I say that to give the context, yeah, yep. the Indigenous journalists saying they were always introduced as and here's our Indigenous intern or in- Indigenous journalist, rather than just saying here's Joe the new guy. Um, could that, and, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, could that have been a sense of pride from the management that they were on board and getting Indigenous people onto the... Yes, people should be judged not on their ethnicity, which is the whole point, but when we do have a diversity problem within our media sector, is that not... Is that? And I don't know the situation, so, you know, I'm just talking through my ass in some mm. ways, but what, could it have been a sense of pride that we had this role filled by an Indigenous person? I don't know. It, it, it well could have been, Rob. I mean, as I said, we don't know who those claims are being yeah. labelled against, whether it was, and, and I would doubt it was, someone like Jim Carroll, the former news director at SBS, uh, who did a, a bang-up job there. All of my discussions with him were amazing, and he talked at great length at the value that he placed on the team that, that were he was in charge of. Mm. And in those conversations, never once raised their ethnicity or, or nationality or, or cultural background, just said these guys are guys generally are incredible journalists. Uh, and same with Michael Abid. He, he was a phenomenal um, managing director and only ever talked about, like, the people played the ball, never the man. You know, it was always about th- these people are doing incredible jobs. Mm. So where 
the, the, who they're targeting that at, I couldn't possibly say. I do absolutely understand that for Australia's multicultural broadcaster to say, hey, can we get someone from a background other than, you know, white Anglo-Protestant ostensibly into that role if there's a person that has the skills, the calibre, the experience to do that? Let's do that. Let's model what we're trying to say here because you can employ a whole bunch of people um, to do the job but if you keep only ever putting a certain type of person into the management or the, the chief exec roles, you're not really practicing what you preach. Oh, yeah, but it is hard. And you sure think is. any media organisation all over the world and they have trouble mm. getting executives from diverse backgrounds. The and Guardian, dare I say, Brookie, it's because what? they don't get given the chance in the first instance. Well, I worked at The Guardian for six years in Britain. They've never had a uh, anyone other than a white editor in, sure. in their history, uh, which, you know, prides itself on inclusion and diversity. So if you have institutions like that that can't manage that... But it's and also not Britain's multicultural newspaper. Sure, sure. But what I'm saying is, is that I think that that's got to do with training. That's got to do with... I couldn't tell you who the... I think Tanya Orman, who's at NITV, is probably the most senior, off the top of my head, Indigenous um, journalist manager that they have. Mm-hmm. Does she want to run SBS News? I think probably not. It's just difficult to find talented people and get them into these positions. So I think that that is a bind. I'm really surprised and startled to hear of these stories, particularly because it seems that nothing was done and whether that was because there weren't complaints made. But I just cannot imagine that the SBS management regime now or back then would not have acted if they had been alerted that there was a problem. And I do know a little bit Antoinette Latouf, who's the Director of Media Diversity Australia, and I think she's done a fantastic job with that organisation. And she Mm. said that she started at SBS 15 years ago. She's now 10, but she left because she was viciously bullied. And I do think that bullying is a real issue uh, across the media. And it left SBS because she was bullied. Yeah, she left SBS because she was, as she said, quite viciously bullied. Uh, And I think that newsrooms can be really tough places. And you are, you know, there are lots of demanding bosses. I'm sure that, Rob, you will have examples in television of uh, demands being put on people and of bullying. I think that's probably quite a widespread problem that people who are victims of feel they just need to suck it up. That's amazing. And I love SBS because, like, I when I came back from Honduras, I would watch SBS to watch the Spanish shows so that mm. I could keep up with my Spanish. I just hope yep. that whoever becomes a new guy brings Monkey back. <laughs> All right. On that note, there's still a lot coming up, but now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. Channel 7 has recommissioned its biggest hit of 2020, Big Brother. TV Black Box understands filming will take place from October and there are strong rumours there could be all-star elements. SBS has confirmed the departure of multi-award winning sports broadcaster Craig Foster. 
Craig Foster will leave his permanent role at SBS as Chief Football Analyst at the end of July to pursue other challenges. However, the broadcaster has indicated it hopes to continue working with Craig as a freelancer in the future on the network's marquee football events. And Australian journalist Amelia Brace has testified before US Congress about being struck by police during Black Lives Matter protests. Brace was reporting live on Channel 7 Sunrise when she was attacked by police as they were clearing the area to allow President Trump to post the Bible in front of a church. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, Brookie has our big issue on whether TV shows should be removed because their content doesn't fit today's standards. Plus, with Ben away, I've got the keys to the TV Black Vault and I'll be dishing up some juicy morsels. Let's get that door open. TV Black Box. We'll be right back. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. These interviews are a little different. Let's go for it. Let's cut some throats. And they are very, <laughs> very honest. And I do believe that that was the real beginning of us breaking up. It's a celebration of media with tall tales you have to hear to believe. Simon used to fly up into a raid. Join media executive Rob McKnight for a brand new podcast where you never know what will be revealed next. McKnight Tonight, part of the TV Black Box podcast feed. Born inside, born in. Ah, uh, yes, McKnight Tonight, available on this very podcast feed. But we also have another podcast in the TV black box community called TV Binge Box. Brookie, what have we got coming up this week? We have got the controversial documentary series Athlete A about ah, sexual that. harassment in uh, US gymnastics. It's on Netflix. It's been generating a lot of buzz. It's quite a probing look at sexual harassment in US sports industry. A lot of people are talking about it. There's already been quite a few posts about it on our new platform, which is the one-week-old TV Binge Box Gang Facebook page, which I'm delighted to say has now cracked 700 members. Hey, one week, that's great. And astonishingly, some of those members are not the personal friends (laughs) of the people on TV Binge Box. (laughs) There's like five. Uh, (laughs) Hey, those five matter very deeply. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. Go to the TV Binge Box gang to be part of the group and listen to TV Binge Box, which at the moment is coming out Monday nights, Tuesday morning. Is that right, Mark? Yeah, thereabouts, though, this week we might even drop it a day earlier just to surprise everyone. Oh, fantastic. All right, let's move on to the big issue, and for that we hand over to the one and only Stephen Brook. Thank you, Rob. Well, cancel culture is rife. 
Programs are being removed from screening services around the world, including the Mighty Boosh, League of Gentlemen, Little Britain, which have all gone from platforms including Netflix and the BBC iPlayer. Netflix Closer to Home has also removed four Chris Lilly series, including the ABC-made Jonah from Tonga and Summer Heights High. An episode of Faulty Towers, which contained the N-word, was removed. Gone with the Wind has temporarily been taken off screens whilst an educational insert is added to it. Even an episode of The Golden Girls, where the girls put on mud packs and a black family drops by, is off Hulu because of perceived racist jokes. Everywhere you turn, another program or person is at risk of being deleted. John Wayne Airport in Orange County is possibly going to be renamed due to the actor's comments in a 1971 playbook interview, whilst The Simpsons has decided white actors will be banned from playing ethnic roles on the show. In the Sydney Morning Herald and the Age this past week, Felipe Mahe came out and said he, as a schoolboy, was the inspiration for the character Jonah from Tongu, and that his whole experience in participating in a TV documentary, uh, meeting Chris Lilly, who came to his school, and then seeing the program, quote, tore him down when he was vulnerable. Lilly has not commented publicly about this, but he's always said that the characters he created were there to make viewers laugh while exposing prejudice and bigotry. And just this past week, seemingly in defiance of uh, all the angst that his programs have caused, he's been putting deleted scenes up on social media. So before we go to the panel, I just wanted to read out a quote from comedian Stephen Fry. Now, he did make this way back in 2005, so he's not directly addressing this issue, but it does go to the heart of people's complaints about being offended by certain material. Stephen Fry said, It's now very common to hear people say, I'm rather offended by that, as if that gives them certain rights. It's actually nothing more than a whine. I find that offensive. It has no meaning, it has no purpose, it has no reason to be respected as a phrase. I am offended by that. Well, so fracking what? Sarah Monaghan, are you a counsellor? I am not. You- um, like, I, I, I like dystopian futuristic movies where they've cancelled everything in the past, and I'm like... If you cancel things you don't learn from the past, like erasing history does not teach you anything. And I think that, like, you know, Fahrenheit 451, where they go through and they just destroy everything. And it's getting to the point now here. Back to the future. Yeah, but it's like you can't you can't wipe away things. And we watch stuff and there's things that are still remarkably on TV that, like, we watch and we're like, holy shit. This would never be allowed to be made today. And thank God we've moved on from this. And we look at it and we see it and we're like, this is, you know, you can, it, it blows your mind how much we've changed as a people and how far we've come. And I see it as a teaching lesson. And I don't think people are going to learn racism because of a skit on, you know, SNL. You know, I don't think that 
I think it's just, I think that it's there. It's like tearing down things. It's the whole, it's really weird. Like right now you've got people in areas in the U S where they are self segregating again. And I'm like, we came so far to get away from segregation. And now we're going back to that. And why I don't, are they doing that? Sarah, I, I don't understand it. And it's like, I thought we we're all supposed to be one and we're supposed to learn from each other and come together. And we work better as a society when we bring those great elements from every culture every people every color every flavor and now we're all segregating again and i think that that's going to create more racism and more problems than just you know learning to love one another and accept the good from each other and you know i get tired of hearing things about like cultural appropriation and i'm like it's not appropriation it's appreciation you know if you wear a chinese dress i'm not a appropriating something i'm saying i love this so much i am choosing Mm. to wear it you know or people want to say that dreads and braids in hair is only for black people and i'm like well back in the nordic days you know that was where white people had their hair you know and it's it's so interesting because you know as creative people and i i I believe i've got a great novel in me and uh, i want to write about my experiences and part of that is writing about people who come from say bangladesh or who come from ghana which is part of my lived experience and i don't want to write a a white bread what did you say boring, a boring basic white guy thing. <laughs> yeah i don't want to write a book full of boring basic white guys but if i put in uh you know, incidents or characters that speak to me that are inspired. And someone will say, how dare you speak to somebody else's experience that you have no idea of. Yeah, they probably will. They probably will. I thought uh, comments you made earlier on the other topic about uh, being offended were really interesting as well because I thought you, you came out quite aggressively against that. But this seems to be a real, this seems to be a real thing for people. Yeah, and it's like trying to I, avoid offense or offense it gives them the right to veto stuff. You know, in and over here you've got like black entertainment television. You've got all of these networks that cater specifically, like SBS caters to everybody. But here you've got networks that cater specifically just to Hispanics or just to black people. And they don't have quotas when it comes to SAG productions or any of those about that they have to have a certain number of white people on there. But white productions have to have a certain number of colored people or people of different ethnicities. And I'm totally on board with like, you know, like Scarlett Johansson shouldn't play an Asian person. Like you should have people from that ethnicity playing that. But then I don't know where to cut it off because like when they were trying to replace this Ruby is the Rose, danger. Like this woman... is the danger. When you tell an actor that they can't play a certain role, it's like because... saying that she can't play a transgender person because she's not transgender. Even and though I don't get that. Because it's yeah. like, like, why does a person have to be gay to play a gay person? Because gay people have played straight forever, yep. you know, and why, like, I'm bisexual, but why do I have, am I going to be only pinned into playing a straight person or a gay person, or am I mm-hmm. only allowed to play bisexual people now? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's called acting for a reason. Like, you're yes. supposed to play people outside yourself. But now they want everyone to just, I guess we become so used to reality, scripted reality TV, that you're only allowed to play you, yourself You can now. only play what you are. And that's not acting. That's like, not acting. 
And I'm like, so can a rapist, like if you're playing a rapist in a movie, do you have to go out and rape a couple people so you can say that, you know, I have the real life experience? You know, can only serial killers play serial killers? Like, and, and it's such like, a, it's how do such we play a good point. Depends on how method you are, though, surely. <laughs> Well, Malk, is this, uh, you're a youth worker, is this a generational thing? Because I really have a hard time and I'm trying to understand. We've seen this a lot at universities. Jermaine Greer is is uninvited to come and address students because of things that she has said. Uh, there seems to be a whole lot of trawling through people's past uh, either social media feeds or interviews and then online social media outrage generated by these comments. The young people that you are dealing with, like the, in reality, not on social media, is this a big deal for them? Yes. However, where Yes, when it's personal. Like, I, I particularly deal and work with a whole bunch of young Tongans. So to hear the conversation around uh, Felipe's story and, and, and the documentary and Lily and how he felt after seeing the portrayal of Jonah from Tonga, which just, by the way, I have it on good authority, that the ABC didn't pull Jonah from Tonga because of the blackface stuff. They pulled it because it's shithouse. Um, the the fact on. that... What, what, what? What does that mean? Oh, it was that a joke. Has... Oh. It's a bad series. It's not very oh. good. <laughs> okay, Summer so... Heights High was good, though, wasn't did... it? it was... Well, it, you usually have pretty inside information. That's why I took it seriously. I yeah. was like, they've had this thing for, on for years. <laughs> now they make this editorial call. So sorry. I didn't... Well, because you had pre prefaced this with such a heartfelt sigh, mm. I thought you were being completely serious. Anyway, on to the I... Tongans, because yes. that's what I want to hear about. It's interesting to, to see and hear Felipe's response. Because that, mm. uh, it, 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 to, to hit on the cultural appropriation thing, and it's very personal, Felipe, because he sees that and goes, that's me. So it's not even that Lily has gone, I see Tongans in school and society, and I'm going to reflect that back in my comedy. Mm. It's that in this case, Felipe goes, he has taken everything about me and how I reacted and responded and put it into that character and called it someone else. Now, in the Summer Heights High context, Jonah from Tonga as a character actually has a really interesting arc that a lot of Tongan young people look at and reflect on and go, yeah, we, we totally identify with some of that. We see and feel and hear the difficulty. So they like it? Um, they like it to a point. Some of the, in the Jonah from Tonga series, the way that Jonah talks to his dad, his parents, um, all the Tongan young people I know would go, that is no way that would happen. If They'd he never for do that. a second talked yeah. back to your parents, he would be smashed uh, yeah. physically and verbally. Yeah. That is that is not the respect call. So it was played for comedy and, and all of the rest of it. I, th I think that we get caught up in, uh, and I reflect, I love Stephen Fry's comments. We do get a little bit too caught up in the I'm offended by that. And then other mm. people go, well, I'm offended by that. Um, I, I would put to you, if a large group of hypothetically white people got offended about um, the performance of somebody in blackface, I don't know, hypothetically say on The Office, um, and they were, you know, saying, but look, here's this and can't do that. That's not what it's about. Just because it was a blackface performance, or, you know, if someone had black on their face and they performed in, in their character, in their context, um, 
I think that's not actually looking into the nuance and understanding of what the performance is about. Absolutely, there are some older shows that willy-nilly just engaged in whatever for base comedic value. And I think there's stuff we can learn from that in the context of 30 Rock. Tina Fey herself said, I think these episodes are probably not great in the way that we portray or, or reflect that stuff. So I'm asking the places to take it down for this episode I'm talking about in the office. um, It's actually a very Dwight Christmas where Dwight talks about the traditions of his homeland in Europe. I think it's the Netherlands where black Peter comes um, to, you know, give the kids their Christmas treats. And it's ostensibly a white person blacked up Um, often because they, you know, that while there are certainly, Oh, I don't know if they're black people in, in, in the Netherlands that would play and portray that character, but for a lot of the times it's a white person with shoe polish on their face um, saying, oh, but that's a blackface performance. No, it's not. It's actually a cultural, contextual performance reflecting the story of what actually happens or has gone on. And in that is the comedy because the way that most people react to Dwight when he first walks in is like, you can't do this, Dwight, that is outrageous, blah, blah, blah. He actually goes on to sort of, it's not all wrapped up in a neat little bow, but we get the context to see that this is the thing. So just flat out going, I see blackface, get rid of it, I don't know is the answer. However, I do agree that finding opportunities to give to give a transgender actor the opportunity to portray, should they meet you know, the, the, the expectations of the director and producers, to portray a transgender person absolutely should happen. Now, hang Just on. the same as... But an issue with that, Mulk, is that is an unknown transgender person going to bring in as much box office as Scarlett Johansson? You know, like... Oh, guaranteed no. Guaranteed no. <laughs> but the point, Mulk, is that you can get an unknown transgender person who may or may not deliver a great performance. Don't know. But if the world doesn't see it, you know, like there's so many variables that go into it. There's a couple of things I want to say on tonight's discussion. Um, the Golden Girls being banned by Hulu is absolutely ridiculous. That scene, which I have watched this week, involves Blanche and Dor- and Rose coming out in a face mask, in a mud mask, and the storyline is that Dorothy's son is actually uh, wants to marry an older black woman. The person with the problem with this happening is the woman's mother who says to him, I don't want you marrying some young, white, skinny guy. I want you marrying a black man. So the whole point of this episode was to hold a mirror up to society and show white people what it would be like when you are experiencing the racism, what it would be like when it's a black person not wanting their daughter to marry your white son rather than the other way around. And yes, there's a cheap visual gag when the girls come out in a mud mask. It's not blackface. They are wearing mud masks because they are getting ready for this visit and the woman has come early. It is not a reason to cancel the show. And if you want to see it, it's season three, episode 23. It's available on stand. It's called Mixed Blessings. Go and have a look and judge for yourself. But this cancer culture that we are experiencing is just ridiculous. I come back to Chris Lilly. Not overly a fan of his work. Never, I don't watch Summer High Tie and all that kind of stuff. But Netflix have had this series on their platform for ages and now decide that it's not appropriate. 
And the fact is, you've got to draw a line. I actually admire the fact that he's put these uh, clips up and he said, no, I'm not accepting this narrative. What makes it difficult for Lily is the fact that someone he has blatantly, it would seem, it would appear, taken a storyline from and a character, the real person has been really upset by that. That muddies the water on this. But writers have always drawn inspiration from real people. Oh, well, look, uh, on that point, Basil Fawlty was uh, taken by John Cleese, who went and stayed in a hotel down in Torquay and yep. was mesmerised by this ranting hotel manager. Uh, Jennifer... Um, Saunders? Jennifer Saunders. Thank you, Mox. My turn now to not remember people's names. From AbFab is widely thought to have based that character on Lynn Franks, who was a PR executive and former friend of Jennifer Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you are right. This guy clearly very hurt by what happened, but he would be by no means alone because writers just nick stuff from real life all the time. Yeah. But here's the, here's the challenge, right? In both of those cases, it was white people ostensibly recreating white characters. Yes, And the real issue around Lily and his performance, both in Summer Heights High and Jonah from Tonga, was that he browned up mm. as a white dude to play a Tongan dude in the context of his comedic show. Now, some people have said that's brave. Some people have said that's outrageous and cultural appropriation. Other people have said it's flat out disrespectful. Look, it, it, when you're going to write a Tongan character and you're the kind of guy that Lily is where you play all of the main characters, you're not going to farm that role out to someone else. I think if you are truly offended by something, the easiest thing to do is just turn it off. Absolutely. Remember those days where you didn't watch things that you didn't like? Like, don't go looking for offence. Just if you don't like it, turn it off and don't watch it. And then that's cancelling in itself without asking for something to be cancelled, demanding something to be yeah. cancelled. Just don't watch it. And if there's no ratings, if there's no one watching it, it'll cancel itself out. So what happens when the, offensive thing, when the offensive thing rates well? Gosh, Sarah, I wish you were not even running a network but running the world. <laughs> <laughs> that is just brilliant common sense, but I can't even believe I'm saying it's so refreshing to hear it. Yeah, I, I think we I have... like something, I just walk away. It's so easy. Another fascinating discussion. Thank mm. you all for your insights. Now our glorious leader, I think, is champing at the bit, Rob... What have you got next for us? Well, it's time to open the TV Black Vault and I will roll through these very quickly. Let's get that vault open. Oh, Sarah did it with me. <laughs> I, I couldn't it. dare. I couldn't dare. I'll need all your help to close enough. the vault at the end of this. Ben's okay. away, so he can't give you any follow-ups to what he revealed last week, but here are my ones. Which reality TV show contestant has annoyed the network they appear on so much they now won't have anything to do with them? Mm. Well, that's got to be a Bachelor contestant, I was surely. Pete. <laughs> uh, I'll leave you one to get. I'll leave you to guess that one. Which big TV show is set to make its home in Queensland? This will be a really big deal for the Northern State and could bring in international visitors. Huh. Mm. Oh, oh, oh I know this one. It's a jungle setting. 
Uh, no, we know I'm a Celebrity oh. Get Me Out of Here is heading to um, and that's Northern New, New South, South Wales. Wales. That's Northern New South oh. Wales. We already know that. They're using the UK set for the next series of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. So it's not that one, but nice to try. And finally, which media exec was recently very desperate for publicity but now wants to hide from the media? What's changed? I haven't seen baby John Burgess in a long time. <laughs> He's not a media executive. <laughs> I know, but it's a great name drop, isn't it? <laughs> well, look, that brings us to... Oh, everyone, let's close the vault. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, it was a threesome. Mog didn't join in. He just watched. Oh, hang on. It was very Creep. creepy. <laughs> very creepy, Mog, the way you watched us do that. Anyway, because what you don't know, dear listeners, is we don't just make the noise. We physically close the door with our hands. It's it's perfect acting. And if I tell you... If only we were on video. If only we were on video. Well, yes. Look, that brings us to the end of another TV Black Box. Go to iTunes and give us five stars and a positive review. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for the very latest news and exclusive stories, even stuff that you won't see anywhere else. Brookie, thank you. Thanks, Rob. It was a great pleasure. <laughs> Mob, thank you. Thank you. And Sarah, thank you. Thank you. And uh, everyone, have happy thoughts that I don't catch the rotor this week. We're thinking of you, Sarah. We'll see you next week on TV Black Bucks. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.